Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 29th, and 2016. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading on page 47, the third paragraph, where it says, That was great news to us. Today's readers are for the 12 Steps, Irini, 12 Traditions, Nadia B., and our readers of the text will be Lisa H., Martha Z., and Sarah W. The reference number for Monday, March 28, 2016, is 8609. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Irini M. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Sally, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M., and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will in our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation 
to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini M. I will now ask Nadia B. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Connecticut. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought to never endorse, finance, or lend OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Least problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought to never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Then, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name at a never into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all this tradition, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share 
press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 47, the third paragraph, beginning with, that was great news. We will read two paragraphs ending with, we'll be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. The first paragraph is for context only. We would ask that your shares focus on the second paragraph read. I will now ask Lisa H. to begin reading. Lisa. Good morning, Sally. Um, Good morning, Vision for You. This is Lisa H., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. That was great news to us, for we assumed we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith, which seemed difficult to believe. When people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Besides a seeming inability to accept much on faith, we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitivity, and unreasoning prejudice. Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. Um, There's a couple of things, actually. There's some pretty big words that stand out in this paragraph for me. And um, the first one is obstinacy. Um, we found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. And boy, I see myself in in obstinate, being obstinate, being stubborn. Um, part of my stubbornness was thinking that I could, um, with my own self-will, change my eating habits, change my compulsive behaviors. Um, I really didn't think that... Um, it was significant enough for God to care about my compulsive overeating. Um, The second word that stands out to me is abandon. Um, You know, people talk a a lot about um, abandon um, being cast off sort of things that um, we grow up with. We've, we grew up with, you know, um, we might've been abandoned by, you know, parents um, physically or emotionally or siblings or whatever, but, um, in this sense, um, it was just the, the thinking. It was just my thinking that I needed to abandon, my thinking that I needed to cast off, my old, my old ways of thinking. Um, to me, that was kind of a relief when 
um, I was told that I could put away that old, those old thoughts, those old ideas, because they were not working for me. Um, and I was getting beaten down, um, beaten down by the food. The last thing was um, faced with alcoholic destruction. We soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we had tried to be on other questions. And um, that was, that was a new, that was sort of a new idea um, to set down what I knew and become open-minded. Um, I, I love this program because uh, the spiritual nature of it is different for everyone. Um, if, if, if I had never had um, any sort of spiritual grounding before the program, it didn't matter. Um, if I had, which, which, which I did, I was a churchgoer and um, thought that I had this relationship with a higher power. Um, but it was nothing like what I have today um, because I was willing to abandon those old ideas and, and pick up this set of spiritual tools that, um, that, that this group and other people had so graciously um, guided me to. So I am I'm so thankful today um, to continue, um, hopefully to continue to be open-minded because for me, this program um, and this process has been about um, change and growth. And I don't think I was ever willing to change, but when, when I got beaten down enough, I was, I was finally willing to open my mind um, and to learn a new set of, a new way of living um, is what it is. Anyway, thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. And who else would like to share on this paragraph on page 48? Nessa This R. is Bella. Can I share? Okay, I heard Nessa R. I heard Bella. Who else? Larry. Larry, good morning. Who else? Okay, super. Let's go with that. Nessa R, then Bella, then Larry. Nessa, you're up. And Bella, you'll be up next. Hi. Hi. Good morning. A vision for you. My name is Nessa R, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this, the, the sentence that spoke to me is um, this sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. And this is a theme that we have that we have read about um, repeatedly. Um, you know, on page 27, we hear, um, sorry, we read um, ideas, emotions, and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the life of these men were suddenly cast to one side. Then in page um, 42, it says, I would have to throw out several lifelong conceptions out the window. In page 46, talks about laying um, aside prejudice, you know, because um, it, it, is, it is important. It is, it is so important. It is not only ideas about food, like, like oh, I, I should be able to have just a little piece. I, you know, I can be, able, I should be able to eat like a normal eater. And it isn't also only ideas about, about God. Uh, but it's also ideas about everything, ideas about self-sufficiency. You know, I should be able to control this thing, you know. There must be something wrong with my willpower if I can't. Um, 
but also other ideas like I, I, I you know, if only I was thin, I would be happy. Um, yeah, all those sorts of ideas that used to dominate us, and why do we have to abandon those ideas? Because you know, like in session page fifty-eight, you know, the results were nil until we let go absolutely. And how do we let go of these old ideas? You know, of course, open-mindedness is very important, but it is through this process that we learn a new way of thinking, a God-centered way of thinking that replaces the old ideas of of self-sufficiency and self-reliance. At least that has been my experience, Hocus. How can I... How can I think differently? I've been practicing what I've been thinking for for decades and decades and decades. Um, So I cannot just let go of my old ideas and not replace them with something. So the steps um, teach us us a way of thinking that that really works. Um, So steps one through nine teach us the process, and in steps 10, 11, and 12, we get to practice, practice, practice this new way of thinking and it is so um, unbelievable, unbelievably effective. It really, really works. It has worked for me, and it can work for anybody who is willing and daring enough to try. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. And Bella, your turn. And Larry, you'll be up next. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Sally, for doing this service. And thank you very much, everybody on the line. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Yes, before the program, my thinking brought me to believe, to believe in wrong beliefs. As a religious person, I grew up with the idea of God, but I believed that God is a punishing God, a God that doesn't like me. My life was all the time a war. I was tired. I was in a war, and I was never the winning. I wanted to please everybody, everybody. When I, wanted, when I pleased my father, I didn't please my mother. When I pleased my mother, I didn't please my sister. I was running all the time after something that I didn't even know. I wanted to be perfect, and I was angry and jealous at my God because obviously I was in competition with God. I wanted to be perfect. He is perfect up there. I wanted to be perfect down here, and I couldn't. I was all the time a loser, and I was abandoned by myself, by my ego. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I changed my thinking. Yes, as soon as I started to learn the steps and to leave the steps, I first of all, I, I found a new belief. God is my everything, my father, my king, my friend, my everything. Today I choose to be connected to this loving God because today... I live by the, by the steps. And today for me, step one is a reminder. Bella, accept and admit that you are powerless. And I am powerless not because I am a bad girl, not because I am not smart, because I am human. 
and this is the way that God created me. And today I choose to be connected to a loving and accepting father, accepting the, the power, the loving power of God that accepts me and respects me and loves me. And yes, I have the opportunity to, to work on my character defects one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Larry, you're up. Larry? Okay. Sorry, Sorry about that, Sally. Can you hear me? Thank you. I can hear you now. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, thanks so much, Larry K., Recovered Compulsible Reader. Um, you know, uh, step two, you know, what, what, what is the purpose of this step? You know, this step gives us hope um, that we're not alone, that there's something greater, something outside of myself some power greater than my, if it's greater than myself, it's not uh, me, it's not within me. And that was the tough one for me. My pride would tell me, no, it's within me. It's within me. That's my conception, it's gotta be within me. That's my pride kept me stuck there. That, that's for me, that's not judgment on anyone else. That's just for me, my pride kept me stuck there. How free did I wanna be? I was only as free is my old conceptions, uh, uh, you know, maintained that that state, and um, you know, so this purpose is is a hope. It's 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 something greater than me. How, how do we complete this step? We, we have to abandon old ideas, old conceptions, and they have to be replaced with new conceptions. That can't happen if I if my pride is ruling me. And had you asked me, Larry, I would have been offended, quite frankly had you even insinuated that my pride uh, kept me stuck in old conceptions. It's a very kind of, you know, sticky area. I had, see, I had, one of my character flaws for me was an oversensitivity character, character defect, an oversensitivity character defect. So if you kind of traipsed around that and you just touched on it a little bit, I'm going to leap onto that and jump on you all over you, you know, um, I don't like that. My pride kept me in a position and a posture of defense to defend. The program for me became defense, defense of my old conceptions. And again, this doesn't talk about any particular theology or it doesn't define. I mean, how clear does it have to be to say you get to define what your higher power is? And yet I did not hear that. What I heard was, you're God on your terms, your theology, you know, and that's what I heard, and thus I was only as free within this program as that. Um, so I had to abandon those old conceptions, those old ideas, and when I did, do you know that the, the, these steps, I'll wrap up by saying, the steps produced in me, once I did abandon, step two was so critical that once I abandoned that, um, the obsession was removed pretty quickly through the, the practice of these steps in succession, pretty quickly. Um, I'd off, I think anyone can try that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? 
going once, we'll move on. Monica. <laughs> Monica, good morning. Who else? Okay, Monica, take it away. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are in the chapter, We Agnostics, and uh, we're talking about this God stuff still here. And and so they're saying in this paragraph here, I, I see this morning that you know, there's lots of little you know set-aside prayer wording is coming. We're seeing in this, in this um, paragraph. And, you know, my old, my my unreasoning prejudices, and I like the definition old ideas for prejudice, you know, all of my old ideas about God, about this, about that, about everything. And it says to us, many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle, become agitated with antagonism, hostility. And then we're being given a specific instruction here. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned, abandoned, to give up, to cease. I have to give up this type of thinking. So there's a specific direction for me. And then the next instruction I saw here this morning, though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. I'm thinking, wow, they're telling me I've got to set aside my old thinking and I have to set aside my feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we tried to be on others. You know, alcohol was a great persuader. So what brought me here? What was the big persuader for me? Pain. So I'm in enough pain here, and I've got a decision to make. You know, faced with alcoholic destruction. You know, am I willing to be destroyed by donuts? Or do I want to seek something better? Well, I'm sick and tired of the way life was. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so I've got to look at things outside of the box a little bit here. My way hasn't worked. You know, I've seen that in step one. And they're telling us, you know, there is a solution. There is a power that can help remove that crazy thinking in your brain, Monica. And it can't be you, you know. Do you finally agree here that your way isn't working? And and then they go on and say, hopefully, you know, for sometimes this is a tedious process. You know, boy, oh boy, you know, I want it my way. I want to figure it all out. I got to have an understanding of this. And I spent years trying to get all my ducks lined up in a row and get it all figured out. And But I never did anything. So what was the difference for me it was five, six years ago when I opened up this big book with a big book guide and she walked me through it and guided me through it and I did the work. That's what made the difference. I was willing to try something else. My way didn't work. With that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. And this is Sally A. I'm going to jump in here for a moment before we move on. And I have to do that because I just got to highlight this word here. It finally beat us into a state of reasonable. And that's what I want to highlight before we move on here. Because as we go through this whole chapter, we're going to see this word reason and reasonable. Over and over, they're going to speak to our reasoning skills. And The dictionary says about the word sanity, free from defect, mentally sound, reasonable. The dictionary equates sanity with being 
reasonable. And here we see, as we travel through this chapter in the big book, we're going to see that they're, what they're talking to us about is basically we're crazy if we don't believe. That's the bottom line in my mind is you're crazy if you don't believe. They're talking about being sane. They're talking about being reasonable. And over and over, we're going to see on the top of the next page, we have no reason to doubt. They're talking about our reasoning skills. All the way through, page 51 uses the word reason over and over. Page 52, again, brings up reason. On the top of page 53, the power to reason. On the top of page 54, Yes, we had been faithfully, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. And over and over, that word reason is going to be coming up in this chapter. And so here we have this sentence. Sometimes this was, okay, let me just back it up a little bit. In this respect, food was a great persuader. They're talking about the fact that you have to have this gift of desperation to finally put the food down. And food itself is the great persuader. I love the way Monica says, death by donuts. That's basically what you're saying, death by donuts. I can identify with death by donuts. In this respect, food was the great persuader. Food is what made me desperate. The very thing I wanted was the very thing that made me so desperate. And it finally, it, food, beat me into a state of reasonableness. Okay, uncle, uncle. Sometimes this was a tedious process. We hope no one else will be prejudiced for as long as some of us were. And I was very prejudiced, especially toward this chapter. Okay, so let me stop there and ask if our next reader, Martha Z, would come and read for us the next two paragraphs. Martha? Good morning, Sally. Can you hear me? I sure can. Thank you. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I am a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. We think there are good reasons. Let us have a look at some of them. The practical individual today is a stickler for facts and results. Nevertheless, the 20th century readily accepts theories of all kinds, provided they're firmly grounded in fact. We have numerous theories, for example, about electricity. Everybody believes them without a murmur of doubt. Why this ready acceptance? Simply because it's impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, this paragraph is it kind of leaves me cold i um it's it's going into it's going to go into why sh- if we believe in these material things why we shouldn't believe that they're um that underneath the material world there's an all powerful guiding creative intelligence and um i want to just work my way back to the last paragraph i was jumping out of my skin i love that part um about being beat into a state of reasonableness. Um, why I should believe? Well, it you know this this chapter goes, you know, in a couple pages we're going to be talking about the bedevilments and about having trouble with personal relationships and and um, all those you know difficulty with our emotional natures and and prey to misery and depression and all, 
useless and all that other stuff. And um, for me, why I should believe, I, I, my, I was so my powerlessness over food, my um, the unmanageability of my life was so great. I was so beaten into a state of reasonableness. I really was at the place where. I would say, yes, I'll believe in any of this stuff. It, what I'm doing isn't working. So um, anyway, I was faced with compulsive overeating destruction, and I became very open-minded. And um, it talks about being prejudiced for as long as some of us were. And I, I spent my first 12 years in recovery, uh, in the program, excuse me, in the program, really struggling and I was trying to work the steps valiantly without being abstinent and it was not working for me and um, so anyway I when I got to the point where I really was like when I was talking about saying uncle I really got to the point where I just said you know what I surrender I you know whatever you tell me to do I will do you know and I you know I know I've said this before. I did go to treatment 27 years ago. In fact, today it's 27 years from the day I got home. And um, I went down there and I just said, I, if you want me to stand on my head for six hours, I will do it. And um, anyway, I, I am so grateful for that gift of desperation because it really gave me the willingness to do whatever I needed to do to recover. And, and by the grace of today grace of God today, I still have that same willingness because I want to live in recovery. It's it's a it's such a wonderful gift and, and um and I, I really I wanna be useful and I I wanna have something to share. So anyway, um thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? These two paragraphs. Kim G. Kim G. Go ahead. Renata. Renata. Tina S. Tina S. Amy G. Amy G. Good morning. Anyone else? Okay, super. Kim G. And then Renata. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I like this idea of electricity and how we trust it, even though we don't understand that it works or how it works. And um. I just want to give you a simple example from my life about how when I'm powerless, I'm willing to believe in something that I don't understand, which is all that step two is asking me to do. I have an incredibly, incredibly poor sense of direction. You turn me around, I can't tell right from left. I often get lost in hotels because I can't determine which way to go. Specifically in Philadelphia, one-way streets scare the crap out of me because I go a couple to one-way streets. I'm totally confused. And years ago... When that GPS came out, it changed my life. And I heard about this, this thing I could put in my car, and it would tell me when to turn right and when to turn left. My powerlessness of not being able to tell directions propelled me to buy this, this contraption I didn't understand. I did not feel a need to find out who the engineer was, to find out where, how the patent was, where the schematics were. I didn't need to call the, the, the um, company and say, where are these satellites in the, in the air? All I knew was I had a need because of my powerlessness when it comes to direction. How did I begin to believe and trust in the GPS? Simply by using it. Every trip that I put an address in there and I would get there gave me more confidence to trust the GPS. 
every time that I made a mistake and it would say recalculating route and I would turn around and get to where I got to, I became more um, accepting of that GPS. It's the same thing. All I'm doing in this chapter is saying, I am powerless. I can't do this on my own. I don't understand what these recovered people are talking about. But as you do the work, you're going to get faith and trust and reliance on this power the way that I got faith and trust and reliance on a GPS. And as I grow in this program, I have to tell you, I, there's, new, there's new GPSs out there. I have this new social media, media GPS that I didn't understand, again, even though I had a GPS that worked. But when people told me about it, I downloaded it to my phone. And what it does is it has traffic on it. So on Wednesday after work, as I'm eating dinner and I go to a meeting in Philadelphia, I'm able to pull up on this GPS and other people in my area tell me how much traffic are there are on the roads so that I know how long it's going to take me to go to that meeting. That was something that five years ago I didn't have. So my higher power from today is much different than five years ago. You know, that to me is the shift, the shift from step 10 to step 11. Step 10 is I'm worried about when I'm upset, I'm going to do this. That was the original GPS. This new social media GPS, which is allowing me to see what's in front of me before it happens, is step 11. I'm now getting proactive. I'm asking God in for decisions. I'm asking God in how I can, how I can um, change my behavior tomorrow. So it's only by doing the work that you're going to get that experience. It's only by using the GPS that I get that experience. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Renata, it's your turn. And Tina S., you'll be up next. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. This is Renata G., Recovered Composable Reader in New York. The practical individual of today is a stickler for facts and results. And, you know, Yes, I didn't have the facts and results of the stats before I went through the stats. I didn't have, you know, facts and results about a higher power, but I had the facts and results of me trying to overcome my disease on my own. And the facts were that the more I've tried to control my disease, the results were worse and worse. You know, it's like it says in the big book, uh, you know, there there was always another attempt and a bigger uh, failure. And, you know, that was my reality. It didn't matter how much I wanted to be free of compulsive overeating, um, how much I've tried or what methods I've tried, you know, it didn't work. So, you know, even though this idea of working 12 steps and having a higher power was kind of strange and like I didn't know if it was going to work for me or not. The facts and results that I've had so far did not work. And so, you know, when the book asks here, you know, says here, why should, uh, the reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than him, than himself. Well, for me, it was because there was nothing left to try. I was out of ideas. All the ideas, the methods, the whatever it is that I was hanging on to did not work. I was desperate. I knew this disease was going to kill me. And that, you know, like the previous paragraph says, you know, that, you know, uh, beat, beat me to a state of reasonableness. That opened up my mind to a possibility that 
what these people were saying on this line, you know, that putting the food down and working the steps absently would solve my problem. And that has become true for me. And this idea of a higher power, I honestly think that nobody needs to define the higher power, name it, look for, you know, like just like Kim was giving such, you know, great example of it. We, you know, when we need something, when we're really desperate, when I can't admit that I'm not enough, can I just say, okay, I need help. I need help from something bigger, more powerful than me. That's it. You know, that can allow me to start the process. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Renata. Tina S., it's your turn. And Amy G., you'll be up next. Thanks, Sally, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, heard some really great things again, once again. Uh, you know, I love the, the small paragraph. It's, it's interesting how much I can get from that. The reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. And I said they're great, you know, they're good reasons, and let's look take a look at some of them and, and those are great reasons but I, I remember coming in and, and I was thinking to myself uh, you know why should I believe well obviously what I was doing certainly wasn't working you know and the people doing the deal were having the results I wanted you know and it took a long time for me to really uh, internalize that you know because I had been around and saw all this stuff and just thought well you know again I will try it my way you know, and then I started, you know, um, I wanted what they had, and I started doing what they were doing. And, you know, if, and initially, those were facts enough for me. You know, they were living a life beyond their wildest dreams, and that's what I wanted, you know. And once I started taking the actions, you know, they, they, it started working. You know, it started working for me, and, it was, and you know, and I could uh, change my thoughts and my beliefs, and, and I continue to act my way into right thinking. And, and I have to believe today that, you know, if I move out of the way, because I'm certainly not God, that there is a power greater than myself, and I continue to have proof, you know, one day at a time. And it's through this meeting, it's through the examples of the people doing the deal, and, and if I want what they have, I've got to do what they do. That'll pass. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Tina S. And Amy G., it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. I'm going to also hop on the bandwagon here. The reader may still ask why. I just get such a kick out of them understanding that there are still going to be questions. We've just been talking about being beaten into a state of reasonableness, you know, explaining the powerlessness for me of my disease and how I've been slapped around and beaten and pummeled by this disease and could not get myself abstinent. And yet the reader may still ask, because because why? Because of my ego. This is a program of ego reduction, and true humility and open mind is what opened me up in step two. But the question still remained, why is it that I kept standing in the way if the solution was presented? I mean, like everyone else has said already on the line, you know, there's so many things out there. I mean, we're in the 21st century. You know, I don't need to know how the little box on my desk when I ask it what the weather is going to be like and say, Alexa, what is the weather tomorrow? And it tells me. I don't need to know how it works. I have a basic assumption that, you know, it's connected to the Internet and somehow that works and the thing speaks to me. I mean, I feel like I'm the Jetsons or something in a commercial, but that's the way it works now. I don't need to know how my car works to stick my key in the ignition. I readily accept it. 
If I have kidney disease, I readily accept that I need to go and get dialysis. But yet presented with the solution, when it says here this readily accept theory of all kinds, I put on the brakes. This, this conception of a power greater than me, are you kidding me? My motto is, my family motto was all it takes is a little willpower. Use your mind. You can put any, do anything you put your mind to. So this whole idea of readily acceptance, if I am a true compulsive overeater, which I believe myself to be, I need to remember about step one, which is I've warped my mind when it comes to thinking about my eating. This is the only disease that I know of that tells you you don't have a disease. My mind tells me that I can handle another bite, that I can do something else to fix, to fix this, even though I will still find myself binging and putting the food in my mouth. The readily acceptance is not there until I'm absolutely beaten and pummeled without an answer and I can be beaten into a state of reasonableness and yet and still I can question because of my ego, because of my will, and because of my warped mind when it comes to this disease specifically. I don't think clearly. And it was only until I knew who I was, until I was willing to surrender and put my thinking aside and just act and look at those in whom the problem had been solved. So I would go ahead and they would say, do this. The sponsor would say, you know, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to work these steps. And I had to follow instructions. In this case, my thinking did not serve me well, my ego did not serve me well, and my will were all liabilities. I had to be willing to surrender and buy in completely to what this program is and believe in the solution that had been presented to me and those who had recovered. I saw it in their eyes. I wanted what they had, and I wanted, was willing to take the action steps to do it without even understanding it. But I had to have that same kind of surrender and willingness. It says in step one, true humility and an open mind is what leads us to faith into some kind of belief or at least willingness to believe in something greater than ourselves. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Amy G. Charles H. Leah M. Yay. Go ahead. One more person. Charles and Leah, and we've got time for one more. Is there one more? Okay. Charles. Then Leah. Thank you, Sally A. for your service. Charles H. A recovered compulsive overeater just for today. Um, the reader may ask, excuse me for these trucks in New York City, man. They, you know, the reader may ask still why he should believe in a power greater than himself. Um, well, I believe Dr. Silkworth said it good. In order for me or anyone else um, to recreate their lives, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. Why? Because of the mental obsession and the physical allergy. Um, you know, um, you know, for me, the second step is, a, you know, this program of action, the 12 steps is, is, a, is a simple mathematic equation. The first step, I've got to delete some things, right? The second step, I need an addition. I need to add a power greater myself. I need to have access to that power by working the whole 12-step situation, the whole 12-step program, right? The, fourth, the, the program of action, take for example. You know, let, let me just say this. Mother Teresa is a great woman, but even she got a hidden agenda. And, I, I, and I'm pretty sure I fall way short of, of her. Um, so I'm human. <laughs> you know, my thoughts are not 
all, all the way right every single minute of the day. So I need a power grade in myself. Fourth step, um, Bill W. in the first 100 don't care about your character assets. You, we care about the stuff, the broken, damaged can every single day. We've got to be rid of it. So we take the inventory. Um, uh, one last thing, electricity. We can't see that thing, right? I know my phone needs to be charged when I see the red button. If I plug it into the wall, that's a power grade of myself. So if I plug into these steps every day, the great old timers in AA said put a plug to the chug. And when I, I hate coffee. When I was making coffee, I had conversations. People said, hey, Charles, that thing tastes like mud. Hey, Charles, you know, you're getting better on that. And then they encouraged me to go through the program of action because white knuck, a white knuckle drunk, a dry drunk, man, will be dead in less than four years. I know I'll be dead in less than four months if I don't keep coming. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Charles and Leah. It's your turn. Thanks so much, Sally. Uh, why this ready acceptance? Simply because it was impossible to explain what we see, feel, direct, and use without a reasonable assumption as a starting point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just remember being at this place of trying to understand it, you know, thinking that I needed to understand this whole thing uh, before I could move forward. And I remember the conversation, you know, with the, with the gentleman that uh, was so kind uh, when I got out of a locked facility uh, who, you know, he took the time to uh, direct me through these steps. You know, he just reminded me, Leah, <laughs> you're the one with the plastic wristband around your left arm, okay? Um, look at the results at that time, uh you know, there wasn't healthy OA meetings, so I was sitting in AA meetings every day, twice a day. Look at the results. AA is like a big show-and-tell operation. And, you know, that was enough for me to realize that I had been self-destructing by my own hand under the guise of seeking ease and comfort for almost two decades. All my efforts had resulted in a disease which was progressing, uh, and it was voracious, um, because I was constantly confronted by the dynamic uh, power of compulsive overeating. So it was time to dethrone my intellect and my self-sufficiency in favor of whatever this power was because I had been beaten into a state of reasonableness and to humble myself because I was a bloody mess and, and surrender my will and defer to a power that was greater than me even though I did not fully understand it. I mean... Pain drove me into a facility where the doors were locked. And if I left the program of recovery, pain was going to drive me back, if I was lucky. If I was lucky. Because doing what I thought best is what got me there in the first place. And I don't know if you're like me, but if you are like me, uh, your greatest obstacle to recovery is your own mind your own thinking, your own judgment, doing what you think best for you is what got you here. At least that was true for me. So it was time to dethrone my thinking and my intellect and say, you know what, I give up. God comes through the wound. Whoever you are, whatever you are, I don't understand it. I'm without knowledge, like the title of this chapter that we're studying. Please take me out of this pit. And, 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 and bring me back to life. And that's exactly what the program did. Right? I had decided to base my life on the assumption that if it's in the big book, 
and it's true as far as I'm concerned, because I saw people being brought back to life who were now happy, joyous, and free, and I was in. I jumped in, and with that, I passed. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And it's time for one more. Would someone else like to share? Suji. Okay, Suji, take it away. All righty. Um, this is Suji from Michigan, um, recovering compulsive overeater. My misery in life itself. Um, I didn't know where to go. I went to counseling, but when I heard about, when I read in the paper about OA, and there was a meeting close by, I thought, hey, okay, let's take care of the food problem. I didn't think about the life problem because they didn't deal with it there. But my spirituality, I was trying to have that take care of the life problem, and that wasn't working. As I learned more and more about my faith, and I kept accepting more and more, that helped. Um, when I was miserable enough in my life, I went to, I, I went to Al-Anon and learned how to start accepting my situation. So when I, I can see a pattern with me that when I'm miserable enough and I learn something, I will take a, take advantage of that. I, I will go to it. I will listen. Um, my face-to-face meetings only had one recovered person, and she didn't even talk about being recovered. She just went along with everything else we were reading, and um, her shares were a little different, and she spoke uh, as a speaker meeting one time, but she's the only one even now at the face-to-face meetings that has actual recovery. And um, and hopefully, prayerfully, I will be number two when my health gets back to where I can start going because I love giving away and um, I'm learning more and more. So um, I can see that pattern in me and I'm hoping the pattern continues and with that I pass. Thank you, Suji, and I want to say thank you to everyone who has shared today, and I would like to invite you to please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer, and I will ask Sarah W. to read for us a vision for you beginning with our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Sally. Thank you for your service this morning. Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. 
we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, thank you.